0: This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks, St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk Over hundred and seven churches, uh, Elam churches, right across Wales, the whole of Wales, uh, so we have a church up in uh, Holyhead in Anglesey, which is one of the corners. The other corner is a very lopsided region is Oxford and Bister in that area, if you know it. Then we go down to the coast to Bognor Regis, and that marks another corner, and then the Channel Islands marks the other corner. so you can see it's not really corners at all, but that's kind of the and everything in that area. Um, we're supposed to be covering. So it's quite challenging, uh, but it's incredibly enjoyable. Uh, somebody asked me yesterday, what do you notice as you go around? What is it that stands out the more vi- churches we visit? One thing I think is we realize that Elim is, is a family, but it's a diverse family. And uh, there is no common Elim church. This is not Waitrose or Tesco's that we've somehow um, kind of, every lo- everything looks the same. There's a beautiful sense of Of difference uh, and uniqueness and I think that pleases the heart of God Uh, but one thing we did notice and we have noticed is that growing sense of prayer and I believe that's a great sign of spiritual health and I noticed and I heard yesterday what uh, you hardcore people have been doing 40 days of it Um, but I really believe that is not just a, a, a good idea I think that's a God idea And uh, whenever you see in history a move of God and you observe that, there are many differences, but one common thing is that it always starts with a praying people. And so we just want to commend you. It's really great to, to be here and to connect. Uh, we're so sorry And the moment Helen is going to do some speaking. Uh, but I just want to apologize. In the moment we're going to escape. That's not because anybody's done anything wrong or said anything wrong. Uh, but we're go- traveling over to one of the other churches where I'm supposed to be speaking. Uh, so providing there's not too many diversions en route. You, you like a good diversion, I've noticed. Don't you? A nice road closure. I've seen more road closures in the last two days than in... The last two years i think um so anyway but it all adds to the fun of the journey helen
1: um, good morning in welsh, in welsh. um no we as steve said we've come from sunny Re- wales sunny it's probably rainy wales but it's it's a beautiful land and, I, and when we landed in guernsey i just want to say what a beautiful island you live on it's so beautiful so we, we give you greetings from a, another beautiful place in its own diversity. But this is a beautiful place, and and we really feel that you are really beautiful people. You're really kind and friendly, and and you know it's a it's a real privilege to come and meet you, uh, and to you know sing and worship and and be involved. You've got a great minister here. Yeah, yeah. She is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's just such an honour and we're kind of blown away by your friendliness and just the way that you love God and we really believe that God's going to do some great things on this island. He is. He's not forgotten you. I want to say, if anyone thinks God has forgotten you, He hasn't. He has not forgotten you. No matter what you're going through, He has not forgotten you. So, (laughs) Borada
0: Thank you. Yeah, and we're so sorry that we kind of messed up, really. We should have come to you second this morning rather than first. Then we could have had lunch. So <laughs> it's, it, I'm kicking myself. It's a bit of a schoolboy error, really. Meh. But no, thank you very much for having us. We look forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Thank you. That's
1: great. Thanks.
2: Oh, no, that's brilliant. And um, in a moment, after we, we've. We're going to sing in again in a moment. But we are. I'm going to open up space just again like we've been doing each week to share about our forty um praise and forty days experiences. So uh that'll give you a little bit of a heads up, okay? A little notice. Just so that in a moment, if you want to come and share anything, any experiences that you've had during that time, then we'd love to hear them. Um it's really encouraging to hear people's stories, isn't it, about what's been going on. I just want to pray for Steve and Helen, okay? So let's pray together um before they, they leave. Father God, I just thank you. Uh, so much that we are church and we are a family and it is worldwide and it's not just here on our little island, God. But we thank you that Elam is around the world and we can all be connected. And Father God, I thank you for Steve and Helen. I thank you for the new role and the new chapter that they have. And uh, it's so exciting for them. And we really pray a blessing over their lives. God, we thank you uh, for the call on their life. And, uh, Lord, just thank you for the encouragement and the support that they've been already during this weekend. And I just pray that you would continue to guide them, that they would be able to hear your voice, that they would be able to uh, discern what is you and just give them wisdom, we pray. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them in the work ahead that can be tiring, that can be challenging at times. Lord, I pray that they would just know that you are their strength. So, Lord, I just pray a blessing over them. And and as they're here in Guernsey uh, for these next couple of days, just pray a time of uh, maybe rest and refreshment for them. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
1: You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church.
2: Okay, I want you to imagine, I want you to think of a time in your life when you were given a really, really good welcome. Or you gave somebody else a really, really good welcome, okay? I just want you to imagine that and think about it and the experience that you felt when you were part of that. You get a good feeling, don't you, when you feel welcomed somewhere. When you feel like people want to be with you, when you feel a sense of belonging, when you're embraced, it's lovely to feel welcomed. And I always find it interesting to see what different types of welcome different cultures and different countries and different traditions give when you go there and visit and i know i've shared before about going to ghana but um the welcome that i received there always sticks in my mind because i don't tend to class myself as a fussy eater really okay i mean i was when i was a child i was quite a fussy eater but nowadays I don't think I'm, I'm a fussy eater. I, I give most things a go unless it's Brussels sprouts. But apart from that, and, and when someone's gone to so much trouble to prepare something for you, um, of course, you don't want to turn it down, do you? So when I was in, in Ghana, I was invited to sit down at this banquet where we were staying. It was like a banquet, a table full of food. We're staying at this family's house. And um, when I sat down and the meal was presented to me, I got a bit of a shock because it was looking back at me. (laughs) And there's something about looking at your plate of dinner when it's looking back at you that is just a little bit off-putting. I don't know, some of you might be absolutely fine with that, but it's a bit like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And it's eyeballing me, and um, I was looking at this, it was a fish, and they prepared this fish and it was was staring straight at me and I thought I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this but my mother always taught me that when you go to someone's house and you're a guest you eat what you're given yeah anyone else taught that you eat what you're given so I took a deep breath and I did it (laughs) because the family had spent all day preparing it and it was a real real treat um For them to have that and so to give it to us it would have been so rude not to eat the food in front of me and the hospital I didn't eat the eyeballs no I, I had to leave the eyeball has anyone eaten eyeballs before oh yeah some people have Yeah? All right, there you go. Well, you've got a stronger constitution than I have, okay? I couldn't do it. No, I I didn't do that. Um, And then from there on in, the hospitality that we had was just amazing. We felt so special going over and staying with this family. They treated us so well. And I've been to different places and felt that welcome. I also have to admit that I love entering one of those posh hotels you know when you go into a posh hotel, it sounds like I do this often, I don't, but I have done it occasionally where they give you little chocolates on your pillow and there's like a bottle of wine in the chiller and your towels have been made into swans or something like that. Do you know that sort of welcome? That's a lovely welcome, isn't it? It doesn't happen often, but I like that sort of welcome. Different cultures, different customs, but actually the, the essence is the same. You're trying to make someone feel special like they're wanted, like they belong. And today we are celebrating Palm Sunday. It's the triumphant entry of Jesus on the back of a donkey riding into Jerusalem that marks the beginning of this Holy Week. So let us turn and look at this passage. I'm going to look at it in Matthew, but you can find it in all four Gospels, which is quite rare actually to find one account in all the different Gospels, but it shows the significance of it. And I'm looking at Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. We're just going to read this together. It's just the account of Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage of the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, "'Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me.' If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send he and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Okay. Like I said, you can find the account in the other Gospels and it's slightly different a little bit along the way. But it was the fulfillment of the scriptures in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which we just read. I get excited about that. I got excited last week about that. When something's been written about or foretold in the Old Testament and then you see it in the New Testament. That's brilliant, isn't it? That's exciting. Let's picture the scene. The two disciples have brought the donkey and the colt to Jesus and he sat on the colt while most of the crowds spread their cloaks on the road and they cut the branches, the palm branches, and they placed them out and they're saying, Hosanna in the highest. Great excitement, great joy at that moment. I would have loved to have been there just to experience it and to see it. I wonder what the largest gathering of people you've ever been in or you've ever witnessed at one, one point, at one time. I remember, I think, this is probably the largest gathering I've been in um, when I went to see U2 play in concert. I remember being at that concert. Now, I think there's about 80,000 people there for a Guernsey girl. That's bigger than Guernsey, so uh, that's quite a lot of people. But we were all there, and it was such a good buzz. The excitement of seeing U2 play, and everybody there because they love you too, and chanting the music, and watching Bono on stage. It was a great atmosphere. It's electric. I can imagine it a little bit like this on Palm Sunday when the crowds have gathered, and they're all singing Hosanna, and there's this, just this sense of joy and excitement. Historians estimate that actually, because it was the Passover time, it was preparing for Passover, millions of people will be gathered there for Passover. So, this was not just a little crowd, it's a large crowd, a large gathering of people. And it's this Palm Sunday that starts our Holy Week. And within that crowd, I was trying to think. What was that crowd like? What were the type of people in that crowd like? And I think there's probably three main categories of people that were in the crowds. All with kind of different ideas or different views about who Jesus was and what Jesus was going to do. And I want to explore this morning just briefly about those three different categories. Thinking about who this Jesus was. What kind of Jesus Were they expecting? And more to the point, for us today, what kind of Jesus do we want? And what kind of Jesus do we expect to enter into our lives? Three main groups. The first group that I see within the crowd is just the general masses of the people. They were praising Jesus, they were singing out Hosanna, they were joyful. But their praises were just for a moment. Because we know later that people were shout, the same people that were gathered there were also shouting, crucify him. So you have this crowd, you have some people there praising Jesus, shouting out Hosanna in the highest, and then days later they were the same people shouting, crucify him. How could that be? How could that have happened? Well, I'm not sure if it's not a little bit like us, When we moan about somebody or we complain about somebody or we're angry at what somebody's done, why do we do that? It's really because they've kind of failed to meet our expectation of who they are. They failed to meet the standard of what we think is right and what is good. And they failed our expectation. And I think that that was happening here. That these people would have been shouting out Hosanna in the highest, praising Jesus, days later shouting, Crucify Him, it's because perhaps Jesus hadn't met with their expectation of what they wanted Jesus to be. They were expecting Jesus to be victorious. They were expecting victory. Not in the way of victory over sin and death, which actually Jesus came, it wasn't that type of victory. They, they completely missed that. But uh, they wanted a victorious Jesus who would conquer the Roman rule, that would conquer the Roman rule and preserve the city of Jerusalem. That's what they were looking for, that type of Jesus. Palm branches, palm leaves were used. They symbolised victory. And so that's what they were expecting of Jesus, that Jesus would come in and he would have great victory, he would get rid of the Roman rule and he would preserve Jerusalem. They wanted a political Messiah. Why were they so desperate for that? Well, I guess, really, it was because it would make life better for them. It would make life easier if Jesus came and did that. They wanted the Messiah to come and meet their needs and tend to them. Not their spiritual ones, which Jesus actually came to fulfil, but their physical ones. The needs of the here and now, and not the needs of the then and not yet. Their motivation for worshipping Jesus as he, as he rode into Jerusalem that day was fueled by what he was going to do for them, what he could do for them in the present, in the here and now. They were expecting a Jesus of victory that would make their life Easier. That's what they wanted the Messiah to be. So you've got that group of people. Then you've got the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees weren't praising Jesus. Okay? But they were there. And if you look at the different accounts, if you look in the Gospel of Luke, it says that the Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. If you look in John's Gospel, the Pharisees are saying to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And they weren't saying that in a positive way. Oh, look, the world's gone after him. They were saying, look, the world's gone after him. Okay, so the Pharisees were another group of people. And I mentioned the Pharisees last week, and I was saying, you know, actually, sometimes the Pharisees get bad press, because, well, they do. But they were upright people. They did good things, the Pharisees. Um, they originated from this group which was called God's Loyal Ones, and then they became known as the Pharisees, which meant the Separated Ones, okay? So there was this group of they're called the Separated Ones, and they believed this, that to remain in favour with God, you had, to, uh, you had to follow the Torah, you had to follow the rules and the regulations. To make sure that you were in favour with God, you had to do what the Torah said. All the rules and regulations of the Old Testament. Now, we know Ten Commandments quite well. I'm not going to test you on the Ten Commandments, but you probably know them quite well. But they only sit within 613 others. or 613 in total. So there's a lot of commandments there (laughs) that they had to follow. And they thought, actually... To gain favour with God, we've got to follow those things. It was all about keeping the law, both the written law and the oral law as well. It was everything to them. But they were good people. And they lived righteous lives and they wanted to please God. They wanted to honour God. They did great things. They tithed, they gave to the poor. They were people who did good stuff. They were devoted to the temple. They were temple attendants. They knew the scriptures by heart. amazing is that? To be so devoted that you want to know the scriptures and to have them in your heart so that you can, you know, just say them at any moment. So they were admirable in many, many ways. There was so much evidence of goodness in the Pharisees, although they completely missed it. Unfortunately, the vast majority just didn't quite get who Jesus was. Not all of them were like that. You've got the likes of Nicodemus. We were talking about that yesterday, about Nicodemus. But he sought Christ during his earthly ministry earnestly. So they weren't all in the same majority. But they missed who Jesus was. They missed his true message. And they missed what Jesus was really about. (coughs) They wanted, they expected a Messiah who would be an earthly king. An earthly king that would be the son of David whom God would raise up and establish an earthly kingdom that would get rid of the Roman rule. It wasn't going to be divine. He was going to be an earthly king and he would rule over Israel. But he wouldn't be a friend of the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and he wouldn't be a friend of sinners. That's who they were expecting the Messiah to be. So Jesus just didn't fit. Their motivation for being in the crowd that day, for the majority of them, was not one of praise, not one of adoration, but was one rather just to see this Jesus, who was he, and maybe catch him out perhaps. They wanted a Messiah who kept the Torah, who kept the laws. To have a Messiah who broke the law, like Jesus did on times, was unthinkable to them. They wanted a Messiah that was law-abiding, that did good works and good deeds, that was the Pharisees. So you've got the general masses, okay, expecting a victorious Messiah that would come in. Then you've got the Pharisees. And then you've got this other group of people, which consisted of Jews and Gentiles. I don't really know what to call them. Maybe just call them something like the true followers or whatever, maybe. Those who really loved Jesus those who were Jesus' disciples, those who um, you know, would have welcomed Jesus in on that day with real welcome and real love and real praise and real adoration and honour. And they were not, days later, shouting crucify him. Actually, they were mourning. They were in grief. They were saddened and absolutely filled with sorrow about what they saw unfold before them in Holy Week. They were torn apart by seeing their jesus crucified what kind of messiah were they expecting well in a way similar to everybody they were expecting a messiah that would be victorious and would come in and and uh, sort of defeat the roman rule as well they were expecting that because they were forever misunderstanding what jesus was saying to them you just love it when you read the new testament and jesus keeps saying this and they don't get it and it gives me hope they just never got the idea, though, of the cross. They never got the idea that that's what Jesus had to do. They, were not, they weren't expecting the way of the cross. They weren't expecting to see that. They didn't want Jesus to be crucified. They didn't want Jesus to take the place and be that sacrifice. Even after Good Friday, they still didn't get it. They still didn't understand what was going on and that Jesus was going to be raised to life again. That was not on their radar They loved Jesus, they wanted to follow Jesus and they saw him as being victorious but they didn't recognise the cross until it all happened and Jesus rose again. They didn't realise that true discipleship would involve the cross, not just for Jesus but also for themselves. I think amongst the church worldwide today we still have these three groups of people. And the question we have to ask ourselves again this Palm Sunday is what kind of Jesus are we wanting? What kind of Jesus do we expect in our lives? Do we find ourselves a little like the general masses at time, Wanting and expecting a Jesus who will make our lives better. Wanting a Jesus who will fix things, who will have Victory over every area of our life will take away all the problems, all the trials, all the struggles and all the suffering. A Jesus who will make our lives easy. A Jesus who will make our lives comfortable. Just like the General Masses did. An easy gospel. Do we find ourselves sometimes in that camp? Wanting to praise Jesus for what he can do For me, right now, with my physical needs right now, in the here and now. Or do we at times wander into the gathering of the Pharisees and find ourselves there, looking for a Jesus of rules and regulations, a discipleship of works, a discipleship of good deeds, of feeling good about ourselves, feeling accomplished because of what we've done and how faithful we've been, how much we've given Perhaps feeling justified in our attitudes of judgment. Justified in our negativity. Justified by being disgruntled. Because we are right. We're right. Therefore we can have this judgment and have this attitude. We've kept the rules. And they haven't. And they should say sorry to us. And they shouldn't be like that or say that. How very dare they. Do we find ourselves ever in that camp? Wanting a Jesus who is about the good works, about the good deeds, about what we can do, about doing the right thing? Or are we a little like the true followers, loving Jesus with all our hearts, wanting to serve him, wanting to please him, someone who's concerned about the motive of our heart? We don't just want to do good things because. We're ticking boxes to please Jesus. We're doing good things because it's it's about the motive of our heart. We really want to do that. But fail, perhaps, at times, like his followers back then, to realise that to be a true follower of Christ is to go the way of the cross. That it's actually a life of surrender, a life of laying our lives down for others. A life at times that is painful. A life where we struggle... Because sacrificing is hard. A way of forgiveness, a way of grace, a way of mercy. What type of Jesus are you wanting and expecting this Palm Sunday? I find myself at times in all three of those groups. You might feel similar. What type of Jesus do we want? Because the Jesus that rode into Jerusalem at the start of the Holy Week was a Jesus who was completely, completely obedient to the Father's will, a Jesus who was willing to lay down his life for the sake of others, a Jesus who humbled himself by coming on a donkey, not a horse, not a, not a, not a great steed, not with royal robes, on a donkey, humbling himself coming and riding into Jerusalem victorious as the Prince of Peace, but not peace of the physical world, but bringing a peace between us and God. How much better is that? Not a conqueror of nations, but a conqueror of people's hearts and a conqueror of people's minds, a triumphant entry into the hearts and lives of people, taking up reign there, not in the physical kingdom, not in the physical realm. And when you look at the events of Holy Week, And that's why I've done those devotionals for us. But when you look at Holy Week, it demonstrates this. It demonstrates that a Jesus who rode into Jerusalem was a servant. A Jesus who gathered his disciples and said, let me wash your feet around the Passover. This week, this Holy Week, shows Jesus that was not afraid to weep. When he rode into Jerusalem and he looked over the city and he wept. He wept because he had compassion for the people. That was the Jesus that rode in on that Palm Sunday. His heart was filled for love, with love for other people. Such was his compassion. The Holy Week shows a Jesus who got angry over injustice as he went into the temple and he cleared it and said, you made it into a den of robbers because you have been unjust to people. You are cheating people. You are being dishonest in my house. It was a Jesus who was angry at injustice that was the Jesus that rode into Jerusalem, a Jesus who said I've not come to judge the world but I've come to save the world not to bring a condemnation on people but to save you the Holy Week reveals a Jesus who in the garden of Gethsemane cried out in anguish to his Father God when he said not my will but yours be done he didn't want to do that but he submitted to the Father's plan as he laid his life down for others. A Jesus who knew what it was to sacrifice. A Jesus who was a friend of sinners, right up to the point of death when he's on the cross and he turns to the person next to him, the criminal, and, and the criminal you know, asks for forgiveness and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's our Jesus. That's the Jesus that rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's the same yesterday, and today, and forevermore. What kind of Jesus are we wanting? What kind of Jesus do we expect to meet us? Is it this Jesus that entered into Jerusalem, that enters our lives and our hearts still today? It's not a Jesus who will make our lives easier not a Jesus who will make our lives comfortable. He doesn't guarantee rapturous joy every moment of our day, or provide for our everyone, every whim and every desire. Not a Jesus who judges our good works and our deeds, but rather the motive behind those good works and deeds, the motive of our hearts. Not a Jesus who doesn't allow for mistakes and mess-ups and failures, but one who loves us continually through all those things. A Jesus who went to the cross, who laid down his life, who went the way of grace and mercy in all things. That's our Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And it's that Jesus that we're called to be a follower of. It's that Jesus who we're called to live our lives for and to surrender to. And it's that Jesus that is our example. Because whenever a follower followed a rabbi, what they were trying to do was be like them. And that's what we are today, Christ's followers. that are trying to be a little bit like him What kind of Jesus are we following? Because if we don't follow the Jesus of the Bible, if we don't follow the Jesus of the Holy Week, then we're probably going to get a little bit disgruntled, a little bit discouraged, a little bit disheartened, and a little bit disappointed. Because we'll be expecting the wrong things. And we've got to see Jesus again this morning, and who he really is, and how amazing he is. I'm going to invite the worship group to to come back. And on this Palm Sunday, Jesus entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. That's what he did. And he will enter into our lives today. Not to make things comfortable. Actually, at times, there can be discomfort because we're followers of Christ. But we're called to the way of the cross. We're called to the way of laying our lives down for others and for Jesus. It's not entering our lives to make us feel good or justified by the good things that we do, the good works, the good deeds. That's not the type of Jesus, but it's the motives behind that. And as we sing our final song, I want us to think today, on this special day and at the beginning of the Easter week. What kind of Jesus do we want? Let's look again at who Jesus really is and what he really calls us to and what he asks of us. It's not easy, the way of the cross. But fortunately, he went there first. And that means that we walk In the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of our Lord. And actually, we're clothed in his robes of righteousness. And when God the Father looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus. That's quite good, isn't it? Let's stand together. Father God, we thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you that you were triumphant and rode into Jerusalem. And when we look at the account of Holy Week, we see so many different things, but we see the nature of who you were. And Lord, I pray that we would see you as you really are and know you as you really are, that we wouldn't fall into the wrong category. We're not looking to you Jesus to make our lives easy looking to you to fix everything in in the physical and the here and now because we've got a greater hope we've got a hope that goes beyond the grave so Lord forgive us when we get discouraged or disheartened or or get angry because we think and expect things to happen Father let us see you as really are let's not be like the Pharisees sometimes Lord we can get into that place where we feel that all the things we're doing, all the good things we're doing makes us right before you and gives us a certain authority to perhaps look at others and and judge but Lord that's not what it's about I pray you'd you'd help us to see you Jesus as the servant that you were bringing peace between us and God laying down your life telling us to go the way of the cross of grace and mercy and forgiveness it's not going to be easy not always but Lord Jesus you're with us